0: Or I <laughs> <laughs> and the second time it was so weak the dose that it was the, that i've smoked hash was stronger i'm not, it may not even have been asked <laughs> i only know of one time where i really took acid that was sandoz acid and that was a giant horse capsule that i got from the university of california mm-hmm. and a friend and i split it and I don't know, there must have been a whole milligram of it there. And it was a gigantic thing, you know. We, we bought it for $5, took it home, and we looked at it for a while, we looked at it for a while, and we split it up and took that. And it was just, it was the greatest thing, I'll tell you. It was. I went straight to hell, it was what happened. Like a pink laser beam of truth beaming straight from San Diego, California To your brain hole We are your personal dickheads We had to drop a couple pills of JJ180 Just to remember what the podcast was about Because we haven't recorded in so long But we're back in the studio And uh, to my left Is me,
1: Anthony Wee Woo Fick Fick Trevino <laughs> Whoa <laughs> Who is the... For those of us that have read... Most of the book, cause, um, full disclosure, I didn't finish it, you guys. I had 50 pages left. But oh, you were close. You but were I was close. close. And Larry filled me in. Okay.
2: Uh, Anthony. In my, in my, in,
1: in my Larry way. Uh, uh, Anthony is the
0: author of. No, 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 Haretta. I don't do
1: nothing. Nah. I'm just a dude that writes some things that have sometimes popped up on the internet in, uh, in print form.
2: Although I will say that article, uh, um, that you wrote about Creep Show, the TV show. Mm hmm. Was uh pretty impressive.
1: Oh, thank you. You liked it? Yeah. I did. So I, I did. Do it, have... was,
2: it was the perfect mix of anger and disappointment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, it was also funny. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so my most recent article is basically me lampooning Shudder's Creepshow series uh, for the Say You Love Satan podcast website. And they are an amazing podcast if you're into 80s horror.
0: Yeah, I didn't hate the show as much as you did, but... Uh... It was a
1: fucking... It was a just a sack of shit of a show, but anyway, <laughs> I liked the David Scow episode a lot. But... Uh, that was the only one I liked, yeah. mostly. Yeah, that was the one that I
0: really liked. But I haven't watched all of it. I have, I need, still need to watch the Skip episode, and
1: it's terrible. Um, it, it's like watching, it, it's like seeing the last scene of a movie that was probably pretty cool. Anyway, who's right. over there in uh the old uh the old control room? Yeah. <laughs> the Who, who's, booth. who's my guy in the van out there? In the booth with the tweedles and the doggles and the smoggles, and
2: the the shots of bourbon and a an unfiltered hard cider and a yeah.
0: beer. You're
1: the you're in a shot of whiskey, <laughs> and you, these are not jokes. He has all three of these things. You not are even one o'clock. And yet. You are the microchip to David's Punisher. Five
2: o'clock somewhere. <laughs> uh, hey everybody, I'm
3: uh,
0: I'm Langhorn J. Tweet. Alright, and I'm David Agronoff. I'm the author of Punk Rock Ghost Story and Goddamn Killing Machines, uh, which recently came out from Clash Books and could really use some love, so. And
2: Vegan Revolution with Zombies and several other books that you should read.
0: Yeah, but give the love to Goddamn Killing Machines because it's very Philip K. Dickian, um meets like the Dirty Dozen. So hopefully, hopefully you folks will like it. Anyways, that's us. I'm still saying Heart of
2: Darkness, but. No one listens to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, th- that's kind of. Uh, Ad Astra did that last year with the space heart of, heart of darkness thing. Uh, although I wrote Goddamn Commissions a long time before that. But anyways, true. we took a long break for various reasons. Um, there was listening.
2: hospitals. There was
0: all artif kinds of stuff. Artifogs and
1: Art. Oh
0: my god! god Artifrogs.
1: frogs. Artificial. Organs, artiforic. You guys can fucking say connab right and auto auto and all this other stuff. Well, yeah.
0: we're gonna have to say all if, those words for if, this book if today. If this were
1: a book more about artificial right. frogs, it'd be kind of kind of zany, but that would fit more in line with Doctor Futurity. I feel like. Yeah.
0: So, um, I moved. Anthony's moving, and uh, Larry was in the hospital, so we had a long break. For all me. right.
1: So, can we can the excuses, guys? Yeah. uh Yeah. Cool
0: uh pkd news um well our first bit of news is actually going to become an assignment for anthony
1: oh cool i'm going on a mission you're going on a mission yeah you're gonna buy
0: heavy metal magazine issue number 298 <laughs> because it has a graphic novel a graphic story in it called phil k dick's head is missing
1: that sounds hmm. pretty cool oh yeah what is what a Terrible mission you're sending me on to buy issues of heavy metal. Yeah, right. A thing I already <laughs> didn't collect. Right. Oh, God, I love heavy metal.
0: So, yeah, so there's a Philip K. Dick story in there, and there's a plot synopsis here, but I think we should skip that. I think people yeah. should s- seek it out. Um, but I think with a name like Philip K. Dick's head is missing. I'm sure it's about the android head, but what do I know? Um, but Who, who look- wrote it? It was written by Michael David Nelson, and the artist is Dwayne Harris, I believe. Cool.
1: Oh, nice. So, yeah. Um, Can do. Yeah. Dual, dual episode when I finally read the final blackout. Yeah. I feel weird buying uh, uh an Elrond book, though. I feel like by buying it, Amazon is going to put me on a specific list. Yeah. <laughs> called some kind of watch list <laughs> yeah. some kind of watch list or in some way they're going to alert the scientology <clears throat> gang that I have now purchased this book and then they will again start sending me things in the mail yeah it, uh, it, the, it, originally it, they were sending me things in the mail because my buddy and I took a tour of the scientology celebrity center and we said yeah we're interested because I wanted to Did know you watch more. their
2: film the like the one about how your brain can solve any problem and- I
1: was hit with so much crazy that day That I don't remember anything other than Um, doing that little test where I held two cylinders and he's like, you must be thinking about something really (laughs) upsetting right now. And I was thinking about puppies. (laughs) And I love puppies. If if you ever want a first hand experience, sorry, David, if you ever want a first hand experience with a cult, you should just take the tour because it's a place run by crazy
0: people yeah and so if anyone's wondering what what this came from if you missed uh, one of the early episodes uh we talked about the l ron hubbard science fiction novel final blackout which i'm a big fan of and uh anthony promised to read it um and And then didn't and for like two years now (laughs) i've been reminding him that he promised to read the final blackout so send your tweets to anthony uh reminding him hashtag read final blackout yeah so um th- our next segment is dick like suggestions and i'm going to uh guess that langhorn has a-, a video game i don't you don't
2: uh no i'm i'm going with a movie
0: ooh but
2: it's a netflix movie so it's not really like a movie movie
0: well those are movie
1: what, what movies what that mean?
0: Well, like, the, you is know, the Netflix Man not a new movie, movie, Netflix it's a movie. I
1: haven't made it through. That's what it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I
0: actually watched it all in one night. It was painful, but I got through it.
2: I, I kind of followed the oh. uh, South Park idea of Netflix where they answer the phone and go, hi, you've called Netflix. You're greenlit before <laughs> right. they even hear the idea. Crickets, uh, crickets, crickets. Yeah. All right.
1: Uh, it, it's called Horse Girl. Horse Girl. All right, go. You you have me interested. And it was uh,
2: uh, recommended to me by a fellow uh, PKD fan. So Horse Girl is about a person going through a psychological break of some sort. And there's a lot of movies out there in the, the independent circuit that are like this. That they tie science fiction, fantasy in with mental illness. And that's what... It's kind of an interesting view that, you know, there's, there's a connection between the, what Philip K. Dick talks about a lot is, you know, mental problems and psychosis and all this stuff and science fiction. And that's what this movie is. She is a woman that has a job, a very, uh, mundane job at a, like a Michael's, you know, craft store. I am familiar with the store Michaels, yes. <laughs> and she she hasn't dated anyone in a while and she had some traumatic experiences in the past. It it has uh elements of the machinist, of um uh, afterbirth, and even Repo Man.
1: Oh man, Repo Man. So, there's a damn good movie. So
2: so it's like she has all these mental problems. But there is sort of something supernatural, maybe, going on. And exactly. uh, it, it, if you like a slow burn kind of movie that has PKD elements of that sort, this is the one for you.
0: Cool. That actually sounds really good to me. I'm, I'm definitely going to uh, check that out. Anthony, do you have a Dick-like suggestion?
1: I am going to recommend a book that, although I didn't totally love, I think fans of Philip K. Dick might enjoy. I'm going to recommend Heads by Greg Bear, which is basically Hmm. about this kind of political corporate war regarding uh, whether or not we're going to wake up all these frozen heads that we have in storage from the past. And it deals a lot with kind of this family dynamic and um, whether or not you do or don't own, you know, can you own someone else's memory if they're already dead? And yeah, so I'm gonna recommend Heads by Greg Bear. I didn't totally so- love it because it felt a little short, but I think folks that like a lot of the more political aspects to Dick's work would enjoy the a lot of the dialoguing that Bear writes. Although, side note, if you do like Heads and then you decide, <laughs> hey, I really like Greg Bear, you should read Blood Music, which fucking rules. And really? also, you should read On America by Cody Goodfellow. And I just recently, David, finished Scum of the Earth too. And that was great.
2: Yeah, I liked both. both. I I honestly thought Greg Bear wrote, like, just generic stuff.
1: No, Blood Music is all about, it it actually takes place in, it starts in La Jolla. Uh, It's about this guy who injects himself with his own kind of virus, who then starts to, he basically melts and sends all the spores out into the world, and then we kind of just change the chemical makeup of the world we're living in. It's awesome. Really? Yeah, rules. I know that's one of Cody's favorites. I. It's that's a, who recommended it to me. Yeah,
0: he recommended it to me, too. I have it on the shelf. I just never read it. Um, oh, man, huh. good. Greg Bear, no, he's good. I know he also you know, did some, like, tie-in work and stuff like that, so I just recently read a um, couple, like a about six months ago, I read a Star Trek novel he wrote, and it was fantastic, because it was like Greg Bear writing a Star Trek novel, you know? Right. Um, and, uh, because recently I I discovered that, like, Joe Handelman and a bunch of other, like, really good old school sci-fi writers wrote Star Trek novels. And so I'm kind of working my way through those. Hmm. But, yeah, Greg Bear
1: is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, totally. And I'm pretty sure Blood Music was a previous recommendation for me. Yeah, yeah, but I think you did. Heads is cool. I, I wanted it to be weirder, but I think other folks would really dig it if you like PKD.
2: Sounds, Sounds good.
0: All right, so for my dick-like suggestions, I I have to apologize. I have 17. I know, we haven't recorded And you're going to hear about them all. No, I'm going to keep it to two, and then kind of... I'm going to shout out one of our listeners, I'm not sure who, I don't remember who now, but somebody sent me a recommendation for a British show that's on Amazon now called The Feed. That's like... um, That they told me was very PKD-ish, and um, I watched the pilot of that, and it's great, and I will continue to watch it.
1: So you did Um, just recommend it, continue?
0: (laughs) Well, no, I just watched the pilot. I can't really say for the whole series, but... Cool. um, Shout out
1: to Unknown.
0: Yeah. I don't remember who, but you're out there. uh, It was like two months ago, so...
1: (laughs) You're um, out there, fellow listener. (laughs) Fellow (laughs) listener.
0: So, the first book that I'm going to recommend is, um, right after, I just recently reread, um, Divine Invasions, the PKD biography, which is going to bleed into the show a bunch. But right afterwards, I read a book called The Secret Ascension, or Philip K. Dick is Dead Alas, by Michael Bishop. And it is a science fiction novel from 1986, and it, um, has this really insane cover that, um, for the paperback edition, which you can see has, uh, is that
1: Richard Nixon with a crown.
0: Yes, because this takes place <laughs> in an alternate future or an alternate past, I should say, where Philip K. Dick has just died, but he, in this book, in this world, um, Richard Nixon is in his fourth term in the, in the late eighties and Philip K. Dick is the, author of many mainstream novels, um, like Voices from the Street and Mary and the Giant, that were huge successes. And in this future, uh, Philip K. Dick's underground science fiction novels uh, are banned by the Nixon administration. And huh. um, so it's like kind of the inverse of his career. And it's a really interesting look at Philip K. Dick and. One of the things that's interesting is because some of the sci-fi books that he wrote in secret, um, they have titles that, that flow my tears. The policeman said is a novel in this world, but the, uh, the novel that he wrote in that world is called They Scan Us Darkly, not Scanner Darkly. And then there's one called The Doctor in the High Dungeon.
2: Nice.
0: And
1: so they're like s- I would 150% read that book so it's, it's like uh, inside jokes to dick fans so it should be called The Doctor in the Low Dungeon right. But- it-
2: right and
0: one of the interesting parts of this is that one thing that I expected that all Michael Bishop was going to do was like take his actual novels that he wrote and put them into this world as these underground novels and like Valis is published in this world but that's really the only one of his um, science fiction novels. But one of the interesting things is he makes up a PKD book called The Dream Impeachment of Harper Mackham. Okay. And um, this book is about and it's really interesting because it ties into when I was reading this was right in the middle of the impeachment fight in D.C. And in this, um, the collective unconscious of America impeaches the president, Nixon. Hmm. right um and which is a really weird and interesting concept and it sounds like a PKD novel but um so it's not just about PKD there's also this alternate future that's kind of similar to the Watchmen with Vietnam like existing in the future there's a moon base there's king richard nixon there's domestic travel bands there's all kinds of weird stuff uh, it's a lot of PKD pastiche and a lot of inside jokes that would be really good for for serious dickheads. So um, I definitely recommend the the Secret Ascension, and I wrote a very detailed review on my blog. Um, and that's the first uh, of my recommendations. And the other one is a military sci fi novel called The Light Brigade that came out last year from an author named Cameron Hurley. And if you, Cameron Hurley kind of came on the scene a couple years ago with a series, but her big breakout hit, she had a series that was the Bell Dame Apocrypha. Um, and I read that and I wasn't that into it because it was a little bit too fantasy for me. But uh, she released a book a couple years ago called The Stars Are Legion, which was this insane body horror space opera weirdness with living ships and it was an all lesbian, like all female future, and then like people like actually have to give birth to parts of their Bioorganic ship in this war and it's really cool it's nice. fucking crazy and so light brigade is her follow-up to that but it's not in the same universe but light brigade is like a it's part starship troopers part 1984 but lots of like mind
1: percent less military wanking <laughs>
0: well yes there is that because uh cameron hurley is definitely i uh, got on the left side of politics And, um, but it has this really cool, like, time travel, like, what is reality, who is human, what is really happening, thing going on. I don't want to spoil it, but I just want to say it's very much about PTSD, like, uh, Weston Oak's books. And, um, I know he approved of its military sci-fi-ness, and since he's the military guy, um, I would say the best way to explain this is it's Starship Troopers meets Slaughterhouse-Five. Cool.
1: All right. Nice. The Light Brigade by Cameron Hurley and I fucking That's love a good it. elevator pitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and and now don't ruin it by continuing to discuss the book. <laughs> no, I'm done. Next.
0: <laughs> so, uh now wait for last year was released in the year nineteen sixty six. David. <clears throat>
2: what was happening Lighthorn. in the year nineteen sixty
0: six? Well, the continued escalation of the Vietnam War. Uh like was the main story in the news? Inflation grew at a massive rate because of it. The U.S. and the USSR first uh, really kicked off their moon race. So this is three years before oh, they wow. landed on the moon. So that would make it fifty-three years ago.
2: What did right. they? Uh, do you know what they sent to space? Or did no, they send they- a dog or a monkey? Or
0: <laughs> no, they were already sending humans. I mean, this, oh, okay. They I'm- did that in the fifties. So. Okay. So we were they were So we
2: we're, we're well past that.
0: No, we were doing Gemini at the time with Space Oh,
2: okay. okay.
0: So uh we had uh race riots that all over the country was a big thing. Uh the biggest albums of the year were the Beach Boys with Pet Sounds. Nice. The Rolling Stones with Under My Thumb and nice. the Beatles with Revolver. So all
1: all good so albums. Big year for classic rock. Right. Or I guess rock, rock at, the, at time. the time. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, yeah, pretty here for all that
1: dad rock.
0: Pretty
2: much invented the Pro Tools that you guys listen to these days.
1: Right, and, uh... Oh, have we ever gotten to my feelings about the Beatles, Larry?
2: Oh, I hate the Beatles. Me too. But the, uh, I'm talking about the Beach Boys.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, the Beach Boys are solid. What? Well, you they like the Beach Boys? I would take the Beatles over the Beach Boys. I can't fucking stand the Beatles. I'm not a big Beatles fan either, but I... Welcome back to the Beatle Box. <laughs> what else was going on in 1966, David? Um, that's all I got. That's 1966,
0: but right. I think that gives us a good uh, feeling for uh, when this book was released, and all I right. I think the atmosphere involving the Vietnam War uh, lays heavy into the rewrite of this book, which was originally yeah. originally written. In 1963, the first draft was in 1963, after the simulacra and before the zap gun. So, and uh, <laughs> but it, more importantly, was that when Doubleday accepted it, they requested a heavy rewrite. So, in 1965, there was a a, a, a very top to bottom rewrite draft. So, this is not an ace. This is not an ace. But it is dedicated. To Mr. Don Wolheim. Really? Yeah. So, huh. yeah, in fact, even though uh, Doubleday published this one, uh, is dedicated, quote, to Don Wolheim, who has done more for science fiction than any other single person. Thank you, Don, for your faith in us over the years, and God bless you. Wow. Um, so. Written with- by Don Wolheim. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the dedication? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I do believe that between Don Wolheim and Anthony Boucher, I think, are the two people that... I think PKD had more love for Anthony Boucher than he did Don Wolheim, but I think he cared very heavily for both of them. Right. Because of the place they played in his career. Mm -hmm. Boucher gave him more freedom, and I... Don
2: Wolheim gave him more money.
0: Yeah, and Anthony Boucher was local to him and And the person he spent time with.
1: And if I'm remembering, Wolheim gave him his start. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: And Wolheim was his relationship was all conventions and on the phone, and Anthony Boucher was somebody he was actually in writing groups with. So that that would be a huge difference. But uh he's already dedicated books to Boucher before. Uh the manuscript for Now uh Wait for Last Year first reached the SMLA agency on December fourth, nineteen sixty-three. The novel was sold to Doubleday and published in hardback. So hmm. this was a hardback release. Um,
2: well, I, I I have a question for Anthony. Yes. Now that you've read mostly the whole book, mm-hmm. how do you feel about the title? Because last episode you, were, you didn't like the title at all.
1: And we liked the title.
2: Uh, I, I think it works.
1: Incredibly indifferent to the title.
2: All right. Well, that's better than hating it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I hate all kinds of things that I don't actually hate. Yeah, this I'm just, just a- indifferent to them. Uh, you know, that- like babies. <laughs> I don't hate babies, I just don't care about babies. It's the exact same thing. And uh-
2: So this title is Like a Baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that I don't like. Um, no. <laughs> I was thinking about that as I was reading it. I'm still not sure I understand how the title's relevant to the book and maybe Well it's I'm actually just... a
2: line. It's oh, not, okay. not it... quite in the book, but but near enough.
0: Well an interesting thing about the title is that the title was PKD's title and yeah. it stuck from when it when uh, the agency got it in December of sixty three. And it's interesting also to see that it took five year or two years for them to get acceptance for this novel and how many he published in between. Mm-hmm. Um, the, that it's one that um, Don Wolheim must have turned it down. You you, you just yeah, have to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, at some point. At some point, Wolheim had some reason why he didn't want to do it. And it's pretty clear that the rewrite was pretty... Well, bad. it
2: never really goes to space, except for that one scene.
0: Well, they go to Mars. So that. Except that. for
2: that one scene, is what I said.
0: Yeah. and uh, <laughs> So, I, as far as Wolheim turning it down, I think... I would imagine that the first
2: draft- there's no space pirates in this.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean- yeah.
1: Where's the action?
0: Um, there is a war. Uh The war
1: is pretty background though. Yeah, yeah. it is, uh, which is fine. Yeah, it's fine.
2: But the I- book ends with him saying "fuck the war,"
0: <laughs> right? Which I think was just something that was added in the intro, but we'll get yeah, to some right. course about that. <laughs> um. I think the 1963 version must have been quite a bit different um, between what eventually sold. And I'm not sure there's no notes on whether SM at the Scott Meredith agency or Doubleday asked for the rewrite, but there was that rewrite happened and it could be because it didn't sell for two years that the agency said like, Hey, take another crack at this and let's make it better uh but Doubleday did eventually take it and it was a science fiction uh book club book for Doubleday. So that was a pretty big deal for for PKD at the time.
2: Well that uh, that was sort of the thing he he talked about in interviews where sure he got the exposure but he never really got paid a lot for those.
0: Yeah. But we do have uh, only a couple quotes from PKD talking about this book mostly
1: in relation to other ones. Anthony Yes, well, we touched on another topic in the interview I had with those people, and that was my attitude toward drugs. They said, isn't there an affinity between you and Timothy Leary's attitude toward drugs? And I said, well, actually a scrupulous reading of my novels that deal with drugs such as Three Stigmata, Now Wait for Last Year, Faith of Our Fathers, and A Maze of Death show the possibility, again we get into the area of possibility, not certitude, that there are really just a whole number of things happening in Three Stigmata. And to now wait for last year. The drug, the drug is destructive. It's addictive. It's used as a government weapon, as a matter of fact.
0: Yeah, which I think is cool because I think you're getting a window into the fact that he saw the drug as as a weapon, and it wasn't supposed to be like yay, rod. PK- <coughs>
1: excuse, excuse me, excuse <laughs> me, uh, P- P- Excuse me, this is my radio voice. <laughs> uh, PKD's relationship with drugs is quite interesting. As <clears throat> we've seen, it's interesting when you look at the people who love Dick's work versus Dick's actual attitude toward drugs. Yeah. Because it seems like he struggles with his own personal enjoyment of it. Yeah. Whereas, uh, aside from uh, s- some people, those of us who do enjoy... Um, who dabble. Who dabble in illicit substances seem to sometimes read it differently. Mm. But I do want to, and David, I don't mean to put you on the spot totally, Mm. but as somebody that is drug free, free, (laughs) what do you, how do you perceive Dick's relationship with drugs?
0: Well, it depends. For me, it's
1: very obvious that he demonizes them.
0: Yeah. But. Well, he demonizes them the same way he demonizes his ex-wives in the sense of.
1: It's good up until I don't like it anymore. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So. Yeah.
0: His relationship with drugs is very similar to his relationship with his wives, and and where That's like fair enough that that they're I think he loves the drugs, what they can do for them in the moment, but doesn't like how they make him feel later. And he certainly was offended by Harlan Ellison calling him a whacked out druggo. a doper, <laughs> a doper, <laughs> a
1: damn doper. Yeah,
0: right. he really did mm-hmm. not want that um, association. And I do think that in in the wake of his um divorce with nancy when he went through the scanner the phase that inspired scanner darkly i think that's when i think he was fine with drugs until that phase and i think after that uh, he saw some, i think he saw some pretty horrible shit and did some horrible shit to himself mm-hmm. and you know he says that in the introduction to scanner darkly that yeah he lost friends to it and i so i do think at this point he doesn't have a super rosy view of drugs, Mm -hmm. but I think he's in the in-between phase here.
1: Okay. Yeah. I was just curious, because a lot of dick fans tend to be folks who like to dabble in hallucinogens and things like that, but I just wonder if anybody else kind of reads it as dick is not in support of most drugs. For
0: the most part. Yeah, and I know that makes me kind of a weirdo as far as being a PKD head is that, I don't think that, it, that I'm straight edge. but I don't I, think it
1: makes you a weirdo. I think it makes sense if you understand that throughout most of the books we've been reading the drugs are a weaponized tool. Well, no, they're,
2: they're used for utility. Uh, basically what he did I mean, in his weapon, real life. A weapon can be a you utility. Know, yeah, he, you know, the, for the most part, Dick viewed drugs as a, a way to achieve his goals.
1: Well, and and, and and
2: that's sort of what he does. in at least in this book is it's a way to achieve a goal.
1: But and the it, it's not, it's
2: not viewed as good or evil.
1: I don't know. In three stigmata it's, it's pretty, used. It's, it's, pretty it's evil. pretty cut and dry. It's, it's used as a utility that is perceived as being evil at the end of the day, even though I don't agree with it. Yeah, well, I don't agree with his take on the drug in three stigmata. Fuck oh, God. It looks so good. Um,
2: but I, go ahead, Larry. I didn't mean to cut Well, off. I, no, you didn't cut me off. I, I, I think in Three Sigmata, he, he doesn't view it as good and evil. I think it's more, uh, it, it, again, is utility. The people that are in the colonies are like, let's take drugs and get out of this. Well, because shithole. their existence
1: is garbage. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas, in, whereas in this, though, I, they mentioned several times that the JJ 180 is basically,
2: it, a it, tool it's called for a weapon, the but then again, it's also a weapon that is not going to work. Sure, you know they they imme- immediately says it's a weapon that uh, everybody has already solved and it's not going to work as a weapon. So yeah.
0: we'll get
1: more into that. But do uh, you think that that has roots in things like MK Ultra using L- trying to test out LSD to use as a weapon? But yeah. I guess, well, but I guess I we didn't know that. Yeah, I don't. I, I
2: don't think he knew anything about that uh, except for what Ken Kesey was saying about mm-hmm. the tests and. And what was going on with the.
1: Sorry, I've been listening to way too much stuff they don't want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so, the only other quote we have specifically about No Way for Last Year is from a letter in 1967 that PK Day wrote to his friend. PK Day. PK Day.
1: <laughs> That's for our Australian <laughs> listeners. Um, but. Uh, That's the, for the D ant word, PKD listeners. <laughs> So, uh, he had a friend (laughs) named
0: Cynthia, apparently, uh, that he wrote a letter to that, uh, I believe Warren Sutton got a hold of this for his research for Divine Invasion. This is a good quote.
1: From a 1967 letter that Philip K. Dick wrote to a good friend named Cynthia. The war depresses me, too. I think we ought to get out of Vietnam. I don't usually talk politics, but on this point, I'm rabid. I wrote my feelings out in a recent Doubleday book of mine called Now Wait for Last Year, in which Earth is on the wrong side in an interstellar war and is just beginning to realize it. Earth's political leader wants to get out, but how? I think you and Lou will both prove the underlying theme of the book, the horrid intimation of being involved on the wrong side in the wrong war.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, well, now, uh, now that you put it in context, I can kind of see why this book wasn't as popular as maybe it should have been. Because it was, if it's anti-war or in the book, you, you, you go to the opposite side to achieve victory. That would, that would be totally anti-American at the time, right? Because if, if you're in Vietnam and you want to win the war or the conflict, whatever they were calling it at that point.
0: I think the opposition to the war was already starting, although I don't know if. Being that he was living in Northern California, that they were a little ahead of the rest of the country on it, um,
2: right? But this was a, this was a book club book.
0: That's true. So
2: it's it's out there in the, in the
0: so so
1: are you in saying the that mass maybe people population received it and thought, oh no, to hell with this hippie anti war propaganda.
2: Yeah, I kind of I, I I kind of feel like it might have gone that route.
1: I wish I I had learned that aspect of it more before I read it, because it does change how I look at the book now. Yeah. So,
0: um yeah, I would say that part of the problem that, I see what you're saying with the book clubs, that there may have been some people that were not into the anti-war part of it, but I think the left-leaning sci-fi reader was probably already there in 96. Or, or an 80, or 66. <laughs> Did you say 90? 80, Did you say 90, 86? 80, 86. 86.
1: 86 and 96. Uh, I, sorry. 2006. Just, I just had a, a, JJ 180 flashback. Yeah, uh, right. That took me out of time. <laughs> oh, what was but, 2006 like? Lots of Jinko jeans.
0: <laughs> but, um, I, I think that probably the lefty sci fi readers were already with them on that. So I, I don't know if yeah, that, that was the problem, but. So much of this novel is influenced by the fact that it was rewritten during the phase when Anne and Phil were separating, and that has a huge part to do with what I. Think- what I didn't pick up on that at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, a, a quote from uh, Divine Invasion, uh, but this cluster of husband-wife sanity bouts fairly indicates that in committing Anne. Phil took an action that he felt was necessary and ultimately loving for the record and does not suffer from insanity or brain damage. Oh yeah. By the way, Phil had Anne, um committed <laughs> during, in real life d- in real life during. Oh, okay. Um, and, and does not suffer uh, from insanity or brain damage. After Phil left the marriage, she built up a successful jewelry business. However, so, Obviously, we'll get more into the the signs that 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 divorce affected what was going on. Yeah, and even though the, his divorce and his marriage to Nancy happened, bam boom, there yeah. was um there was a good two years of the marriage being kind of on rocks and having problems where they were kind of on again, off again, and during that. Okay, so this
2: is the PKD pattern.
0: Right, but he wrote...
2: Of of the crossover, two-year crossover marriage thing.
0: Yeah, but he was in flux during the time when he wrote this. He was moving in and out of his house with his family and doing all this stuff. And I personally think that affected this rewrite heavily. It's just my opinion. So Uh, uh,
2: one thing I want to know, Kathy is Anne, right?
0: Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it seems that way, yes. Yikes! And um, whether and I that- mean
2: yikes for for Anne reading this, right? And going, oh, that's how you view me,
0: right. Jesus
3: Christ! <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and then one other interesting thing about the writing of it, and then we'll get into the story breakdown. Is uh, the last thing um, I want to point out is that the Wash Thirty Five is specifically based. On a year that PKD spent in DC as a child. His mother moved him across country for one year and they lived in Washington, DC, and it just happened to be 1935. So hmm. this is very specifically pulled out of his memory because, um, and a lot of PKD sp- scholars have kind of compared this to the fake, to Wash 35 to the city in time on a joint. And, uh, so in Divine Invasion it says, uh, on page 94, so the military built a fake 1958 <laughs> town similar to his childhood, similar to Wash 35, Babyland of Now Way for Last Year to keep, and this was at the time when his mom was working for the Department of Defense in DC. Right. And, uh, fascinating thing from his childhood. So, on that note, oh, is it time? I believe it's time
1: for the story <laughs> breakdown. <laughs> Whoa.
0: Woo wee. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> What's up with that? Come on, Larry.
2: What I, is up with that?
1: Get in there. Story breakdown. Wow. Wee!
2: Guitar.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, let's do guitars. You need to add some, like, funky, like, James Brown or Rick James bass line for the story breakdown.
2: I'll add the big payback.
1: How about some Parliament Funkadelic? Oh, that would work. Some of that opening to Flashlight? It's a right. Great opener. Alright, Larry, tell me about this book that I didn't finish.
2: <laughs> so, uh, what is the name of this one?
1: Oh, fuck <laughs> off. Now uh, wait for last year.
2: Now Wait for Last Year by Philip K. Dick. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, establish some things first. Humanity did not originate on Earth. Humanity is a part of the Lilliputians who split from the Lilliputian or Lillistar. Lillistar.
0: Is that a real place, David? No. no. Beetlejuice is a real place. which There's Beetlejuicens.
2: Right, there's a, there's one Beetlejuice guy, some one juicer. Juiced uh, up. So Lilla or the Starmen, we'll call them the Starmen, uh, are are the progenitors of humanity. Humanity and Mars both got colonies from the Starmen, and then the Earth and Mars got into a war, and the Earth won. Mars died out etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Humanity lives. So then the starmen come back and they're like, hey, we've got this war going on with these uh bug people. We don't like them, and you're part of it now. And then our leader, Gino Molinari, goes Alright, fine, whatever. Let's do that. So that's kind of where this story comes from. But our first chapter has nothing to do with any of that. Our first chapter is about a dude that hates his wife, and a wife that hates her dude.
0: In a Philip K. Dick book, an <laughs> opening chapter about a guy who hates his wife. Yeah,
2: it's basically it the starts
0: start as <laughs> <with>, it starts
2: <laughs> with our hero, who is named Eric Sweet Scent.
1: I wish we had read this before we did that. The, that the, the names episode. thing. On names <laughs> on names, yeah.
2: But Eric Sweetson, Dr. Eric Sweetson,
1: Dr. Daddy Sweetson. <laughs> yeah,
2: right? Uh, he has to pay a bill to <laughs> a robant. Dumb name. It's a great name. A it's a robant. great, horrible name. All right, so he has to pay a bill because his wife bought a pack of cigarettes six months ago. And uh he's like, ah, fine, I'll pay the bill. And the thing's like, pay the bill or you're going to jail.
1: Dude, he gets rolled by a robot. Yeah, he, he does get rolled by a robot. A robant. I'm sorry, a robant. Damn it. Alright. You so- owe money for cigarettes. <laughs> Pay now or go to jail. Like, fuck you, robot.
2: So then he goes to work where he's the, uh, anti-frog surgeon. I
1: swear to God. fork <laughs> Artificial organ. I think that's what I said. You said artifrog. No, I said antifrog. But... Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> isn't that how
1: it's spelled? Uh, artifrog. No, artiforg. It's artiforg. Trust me. Trust. So
2: he's the anti. Me. He's the antifrog surgeon for an old guy named Virgil Ackerman.
1: Which I just real quick want to point out that she does berate him for not being successful enough, and I'm over here thinking, I don't no organ transplant that seems pretty lucrative it, see, it yeah. seems
2: all right but she got him his job so um, she's
1: like but i guess if you're an organ you're kind of a transplant pussy. surgeon i mean you're 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 fucking slumming it in this world i yes. would think dr Sweetson would be good enough for a jewish mother i mean
0: ah, he's right? A doctor, right and he's a sweet son. just find <laughs> someone with a good job
2: <laughs> all right so so he uh, old man virgil Ackerman. Uh, is is crazy Cause he wants to be a little boy in his childhood, but he's also super rich and has a large family. His daughter has the hots for, uh, our, our fair doctor. And, uh, she's like, uh, so you want to do it as they're going to wash 72 or whatever it is, whatever David just said. It's like wash 35, 35 wash 35, which has no, has nothing to do with what's going on in the book whatsoever
0: he just wanted to reminisce about his one year in dc yeah and this is how he did
2: it so he uh they go to wash 35 and it's a secret mission to meet the uh prime he what is his name the lead
1: the u.n head commander
2: uh prime secretary gino molinari who is a big fat um it's a big
1: fat italian guy
2: big fat italian guy
1: yeah. yeah.
2: He's he's a uh, strap in.
3: <laughs>
1: Jesus.
3: He's
2: a uh, he's the Tony Soprano of uh of the future.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
2: And so I mean, I he's he's, he's just eaten pasta and <laughs> shrimps with horseradish.
1: It, it, fried prawns with horseradish, not as a meal but as a late night That's a snack. If I ate that as a late night snack at any, or at any point, I'd die.
2: And That's he's, he, well. <laughs> he usually hangs out at his capital in Cheyenne, Wyoming for some reason, uh, because the, uh, the country's been split or I, I have no idea what, uh, whatever. So, uh, Molinari's like, uh, so I'm here. You're here. You're supposed to fix me. But what I really want you to do is murder me. When you're operating on me, and our fair doctor is like, "Yeah, that's no problem. <laughs> I, I don't have I don't have any qualms about murdering you because I don't care about life. I'm in such a bad marriage that I give no shits about life whatsoever. That's how bad marriage is. I
1: am marriage well, is so, so shocked that
2: this isn't a dick book, though. <laughs> marriage is so bad I don't care about life. Well, in any form any i don't i don't i don't care i will scorched earth everything because marriage is so bad
0: he is a doctor but he was working at a fur company in tj So, it's like,
2: <laughs> well uh, you want me to mention the fur company well, all I'm right so it's so, a company later uh, so I got a lot let's, let's explain that. how virgil got his riches through a uh, living back guano from mars <laughs> that turns into fur coats
0: yeah, I, I want to talk about that later. I, but I uh, that's,
2: that's also, like, uh, very much doesn't matter. And uh, the fur coats, uh, when the war starts, he's like, fur coats aren't going to cut it. Let's make bombs you know out of back people. guano. Yeah, that so, was
1: funny. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I had to get up to lift a weight a couple times.
2: Yeah. It's, it's on camera. Uh, yeah. So then, uh, they come to an agreement, uh, Sweet Scent goes to work for Molinari. He finds out the in and outs of what's politically happening between the war, uh, the war going on between the, the Starmen and the, the bug-like Riggs.
0: Mm-hmm. The Riggs.
2: And he finds out some other things. He finds out that there are different versions of Molinari, and he's very confused by this.
0: I love this. And they assume, he
2: assumes them. that they are simulacrum, which we have experienced many times in dick books at this point.
0: He had to check
1: off using that term. Cause he had to use
2: all, <laughs> all his, his terms. terms. Cause
1: <laughs> they're, they're simulacrum, precogs, conapt, Wheels. homeopapes, homeopapes. Con, yeah. I mean, everything. it's all part of the dickiverse,
0: right?
2: Uh, I've auto, auto fact wasn't used
0: though. No, auto fact was used. Was it? Auto fact, Papes, conapt, uh, um, artif, 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 <laughs> artiforg, artiforg, anti-frogs, robance, robant and, and precogs, all used.
2: All right. But, but we, we need to Tarantino here. We need to go back a little and talk about what, what, uh, Katie, Caddy, Cardi, Catherine.
1: Man, Quentin Tarantino's now wait for last year.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Oof. what uh what the wife was up to so uh what the and what i think is the best scene in the entire book is when we go to this drug party that dr sweet Sense's wife is at and and they do they do this drug called jj 180 that no one's ever done before as far as they know they have no idea what the drug is gonna do they're like Let's let's have a party and let's take a drug that we have no idea what it's going to do. And they got it from a cabbie who is a scumbag. And and like we find out this guy's a scumbag very quickly. He is a dirty and his teeth are rotten. And the guy he's talking to is like, I wish he would just go away
0: they should
1: have gotten an automatic and cab it, it could have given it them advice it
2: very much very much reminded me of a ralph
1: Bakshi scene that automatic cabs a fucking coward though
2: <laughs> right. i have no idea what you guys are talking about all right so anyway they go to this party her titties are out and and they've got <laughs> and they've got living nipple she has living nipple i didn't do it this
0: time no it was him this time <laughs> And, uh,
2: and they take the drug and weird shit happens. They disappear and they get freaked out and shit like that. And there's a swami there. Doesn't matter. Anyway. Oh, you're talking about that long haired doofus. What, what happens is, um, what is her name? Kathy. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Kathy becomes addicted immediately. She gets blackmailed by the starmen to go spy on her husband who has left her to go be the president's uh, doctor all right so that happens she goes there she's like i'm here because i i, I want to hang out or whatever and our our hero's like yeah no you don't you're fucked up i can tell you're fucked up because you're fucked up <laughs> and then she's like you're oh up, shit you're you up. found out i'm fucked up and he's like yeah i'm gonna call the cops on you and then she's like no you're not because i'm gonna drug you and you're gonna be an addict too fucker And then he's like, Oh shit, you drugged me. And now I'm, I'm an addict too. I'm going to the future and I'm going to go to the future and this weird guy, this weird smarmy guy is going to try to con me. And then I'm going to come back to the past and then I'm going to figure out that the president is going to have a heart attack in like a little while, but I don't care because I'm going further into the future. So I can find a cure for myself and my wife because I deeply care about this woman. That wants to destroy me in every way possible, and then he just
0: can't quit her.
2: Yeah, and she is a
0: great character, by the
2: way. But anyway, the so he gets the cure. He meets a, a Ganymedian slime mold, or whatever it is, in in a in a business suit, and uh, it tells him like you know all the all the facts of life are are happening, and Molinaris actually doing the same thing you're doing. And he's like, "Oh shit, that makes total sense." And then he goes back to the future, but or back to the past. But he doesn't go all the way back to the past. He goes to a year or a year from his timeline, a year forward from his timeline, and meets himself. And himself is like, "Hey, do all this stuff for me and and make my life not suck." And he's like, "Yeah, I'll do all that stuff for you." He achieves none of the stuff. And he basically doesn't take, he takes everyone's advice and fucks everything up. And then the, the war gets worse. Molinari dies. We find out that Molinari has not only brought in people from other time, his, himself from other timelines, but, uh, he has died. The, the real Molinari from this timeline is dead. And, uh, then, uh, that doesn't matter either. And then, uh, so uh, by the end, our hero has ruined his entire life and is now dedicated to a wet brain, ugly wife who sucks, and the war doesn't matter. That's the end. Wow. Sorry, I had to rush through that end. The I fucking sucked.
0: But did you like it better until that last chapter? I did. Yeah, I did. See, I just I'm gonna ignore the last chapter in my in my
2: <laughs> In your final judgment. In
0: my final judgment, because um just like kinda like for me, I the Skywalker saga ended with Last Jedi and it has a great ending. Yeah. You know right. <laughs> um, If you look at it that way. Well
2: oh, the future is bright from here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, I I did have uh the first thing in my notes was the listing of all the names which we've kind of already gotten into, all the words, the PAD terms where this is very this novel is very P- pkd dictionary yeah it it is like if you were playing a, a game to, like cross off all the turns and words with this one really has it it's, yeah. it's basically
1: yeah a dictionary
0: Ooh, right yeah, well, there you
1: go wow. <clears throat> <laughs> and as far as
0: uh, a novel goes it is very it's very PKD. It is, yeah. Um, but for me, uh, well, let's get into some of the things that are going on. There's the divorce stuff is insane here. Uh,
2: <laughs> it's in the it's forefront, front and center. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so there's there's quotes that we gotta we gotta get into directly. And, okay. <clears throat> uh, on, and Welcome so- to the Philip K. Dick Divorcepedia. Yeah. Um, on page six. There's a quote that I think... Oh, we're starting early. <laughs> yeah, page six, right there by the X.
1: <clears throat> Presently, Jonas Ackerman shrugged and said, Well, that's marriage these days. Legalized hate.
0: Whoa! That is just shot fired right at the very yeah. beginning. And it doesn't get better in the terms of what how it talks about uh, divorce. Um, as far as page 85, we, then we get into... Uh, Willie Kay saying in marriage, the greatest hatred is possible between human beings that can be generated. Perhaps it's because of the constant proximity, perhaps because once there was love, intimacy is there, even though the love element has disappeared. Yikes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, not feeling great about the, the, the institution of marriage here, um, in 1965, when we rewrote
1: this one, have we found a book yet where he is positive
0: <laughs> about marriage about
1: Marin? <laughs> or just relationships in general?
0: Well, your no.
1: silence tells me everything, gentlemen.
0: Yeah, uh, there there are books later that I think that he gives a, a lot of love to to Tessa um, during their relationship, but and, and but not so far. But not so far, and I think. Maybe during the the early Nancy years, we might see some some of that. But I
2: I feel like it's. I feel like this is just one of those melodramatic things he he, he was known for. Right, was just looking at relationships in this
1: well full and,
2: on negative way. And
1: he was kind of
2: and avoiding talking about the good
0: part.
1: Predisposed to being melodramatic. Yeah. And grumpy about the, the, the marriages and the... Melodramatic, it. grumpy, yeah. um, prone to f- not fabricating but embellishing stories.
0: So, right. it, like, if you're a writer who's had one marriage and it's okay to good, you're going to have different views from somebody who's on Marriage 4 already. It just ended Marriage 4 but do you yeah. think or, about or three right three. around the
1: time just you get it, to marriage four. Yeah, this three, is marriage three. Maybe the problem is you.
0: The problem is definitely him. <laughs> and he, yeah. th-
1: there's a part in here where he talks
0: about that, where he's like, I, I don't know if I highlighted it, but he's like, uh, where he's like, you know, I'd just do it again, you know, like, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if I had that. He's like, if I divorce Kathy, I'll marry again. Because as my brain basher puts it brain basher. my brain basher puts it I can't identify outside of the role of husband and daddy and big butter and eggs man wage earner
1: oh man and the next big da- butter and eggs
0: man dick it, it, this is page seven and the next damn one will be the same because that's the kind I select oh, it's man. rooted in my temperament
1: the next time I get into an argument with someone I'm gonna say hey listen I'm the butter and eggs man here
0: <laughs> well and it is. It, he's, he's just going to select another one and get into this situation again. It, is, see, this is a. Is what he's This done. is one of those things,
2: David, where you should definitely say, you know, Dick was a man of his time, just thinking of, you know, being the, it, the sole it's, provider. It's his, his type choice of, of yeah. what happens. The woman doesn't necessarily even come into the, the picture. It's just what he wants.
0: Yeah, and we know that he was in the process of divorcing Anne, and part of the tension between him and Anne was that she had this jewelry business, and was starting to make more money than he was. Right, she had her own life. Yeah, she didn't need his, you know, how many...
1: She need no middling sci-fi man to take care of her. Right? Yeah, a Successful as <laughs> business, dog.
0: Go get in your hovel and write, because I can't have you in the house being this way. Yeah. And, and, on top of all that, like, so this this is where a lot of, all this attitude is coming from, but
1: um and yeah and do you think he feels unneeded then? Yeah. And that's why he's channeling so much <laughs> fucking aggression. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. And it
0: for me the fact that this happens on page 6 and 7 just and having just re- just read reread his biography like it made me laugh and just like stuck with me through a lot of the book. Like where I was just kind of hanging over my cuz I just kept seeing him Like writing this, being like that goddamn (laughs) and fucking shit, right? You know, while he was typing away, right? And so uh, that did color a lot of my feelings of this book, but but not fair or right because I should judge the book based on
2: to play uh, amateur psychologist. I would also say, you know, his main characters being doctors a lot of the time seems to be that he feels like he underachieved. At this point in his life, you know, that just being a sci fi writer was an underachievement so that he felt like part of the reason the women didn't treat him properly or the way he felt he should be treated was his own fault for not being as successful as he could have been.
0: Sure. I think that comes across pretty clearly. I mean, pretty clearly in this book. (laughs) Um, yeah, the feelings are just below the surface. I can imagine that if you were, I don't think Anne was reading his books, but if she was, um, she would definitely have a hard time.
2: Like I've said in a past episode, there's that, uh, documentary where she's like, she realized that the way he looked at her was as she was some monster, right? you know, by reading his, his later books about her.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah, and, and, uh, well, okay, so maybe she did read them. Um, She did. (laughs) uh, I'm sorry. At
2: at some point, she read
3: them.
0: (laughs) Right. Now, uh, he got out of the, he got out of this, but I I would say, I imagine a lot of his friends probably got a good laugh reading most of his books, like seeing, like, the way he transferred a lot of his feelings here and there. Yeah,
2: they are really, they're really purple. Yeah. You know? Uh, at least, uh, up to this point. But then, then you get those, the, the purple parts that really kind of matter in the, in the sci-fi sense is the drug stuff.
1: Yeah. He, yeah. he does an incredible you know? job of representing all those drug trips very fluidly and very.
2: Yeah. And, uh, and not just the, the drug trips themselves, but the experience around the drug trips.
1: In the like crash the that ups, usually comes after the downs,
2: yeah, yeah. all that stuff.
0: I want to I want to talk a little bit later about JJ 180, but uh, right now I do want to lighten the mood a little bit by talking about some of the fucking hilarious stuff. That is
2: There's a book. lot of funny in this. one.
0: There's a lot of funny in this book. uh, underrated. uh First off, is on page nine when uh, they introduce the um, uh, what the their company and TJ and Tijuana does. Yeah. And, and by the way, it's cool that this book is set here in San Diego and Tijuana.
2: Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed
0: that. I, I enjoyed that aspect of it too. So as uh, I
2: have a lot of pride in my city and I'm not afraid to say it. So yeah,
1: yeah, cool. So Anthony, read, read me a part here that I've. All cool. right. Well, thank you all for joining the TFND, uh, company. <laughs> I'd like to welcome you to your first day here at TFND
3: <laughs>
1: and, uh, to give you a little hi- insight and history into what we do here. Once the corporation had collected the dung of the Martian flatbat, had made its first returns that way, and so had been in position to underwrite the greater economic aspects of another non-terrestrial creature, the Martian print amoeba.
0: And so, it's kind of fun that uh, there's this little kind of animal rights thing going on here, which I'm a big animal rights person, so that's cool for me, that their fur company basically takes uh, Martian batshit (laughs) amoebas that uh shapeshift into the fur coats and so that's what they and so the big concern is is that uh well what if your amoeba fur coat just suddenly decides to regress into big fucking into amoebas into amoebas while you're out uh uh, strolling around town and uh but uh, i just this this is uh one of the funniest things in the book they Uh, do
2: kill the amoebas though
0: david they do kill the amoebas, um, which is not great, but um I think it's. I, you Does know. your
2: animal rights go that that deep? No. Okay.
0: But I do. Uh, I it's would... good
2: to know limits. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus.
0: Well, I don't <laughs> eat honey, but I, I I I I'm not really concerned. But about... you you'd smack at a mosquito if
2: it was trying to bite you.
0: No, if there were really you guys, if I would not. If I can avoid... F- That's an honest question. No, I don't kill bugs if I don't have to. But. What does that have to do with the book? But anyways... Um, it has to do with life. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> sorry, um, Papa Midnight.
0: I hadn't really thought about the, the use of Martian uh, bat shit, as whether it's vegan or not. But
1: I would definitely think that it would not be vegan. I'm just them. curious what a Martian bat looks like. Yeah. Probably it's like something out of Stephen King's The Mist, I'm assuming. Ooh, that would be nice. Right.
0: Uh, my other favorite, um, funny, just weird thing in this book, uh, little subtle thing, is on page seventy three when uh, Kathy goes into the kitchen and she quote twisted the knob for so- soft boiled eggs, coffee, and right. toast and coffee with cream. So, but
2: then later she has to cut an onion. I don't understand.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I just like that she has a knob where it's just like, well, you can three D print toast. Eggs and coffee, but you cannot reprint onion slices. <laughs>
2: Sliced onions,
1: <laughs> right? And so, anyways, those are just some of my favorite
0: funny, weird things. Were there some other parts that really cracked you guys up in this book? Um, I mean,
2: Molinari's eating habits basically is an, uh, Molinari as a character
1: was hilarious. Yeah, he's almost a cartoon. Yeah, he's almost <laughs> like in a, a New Yorker cartoon.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got a lot of stuff about him later. I like that
2: New parents, Yorker but. cartoon. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, he is pretty funny in the fact that he, uh, one of the funniest parts to me in the book is that, uh, when he doesn't want to sign the peace treaty, he just dies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just like, ah, this version of me will
1: just die. And then, uh, I don't have His constant hypochondria treaty. is pretty amusing. Yeah.
0: So I will say that there is a lot of really funny Re- well, stuff. Well, now, this- that,
2: that is one of those things I'm really confused about. Like, are those all different versions? Or are there only the three versions we see? How does he get the versions of himself back to this reality? There's like there's there's when two it comes ways. to Molinari, there's all kinds of there's all kinds weird of stuff. Going on. Yeah,
0: there there are Robend um, uh, Molinari's, but there, there aren't. Well, there might be, but, but yeah, there might be. There might be. <laughs> there's time traveling um Molinari's pulled out of different universes. So there's uh, there's different things going on,
2: which we know that, uh, but we're told that can't happen.
0: Yeah, but that doesn't mean somebody can say like that's not going to happen. But it doesn't mean it doesn't. No, not not somebody. Like <laughs> Dick says <laughs> Dick says it. Yeah, I guess. Well, yeah. Well, I I don't know. That is a confusing aspect of the book because I do think it's kind of all over the place. Yeah, as far as what's happening on, in that regard.
2: Yeah, the inconsistencies are are really weird but the uh, again with with the humor i think the uh the the trash cans that the one guy is bringing to life and sending out into the tijuana streets the bins as they're called
1: Did right that come after uh, i stopped reading
2: no that's right in the first chapter
1: i think oh uh, see this is why i hate speed reading through these cuz i miss details
2: <laughs> but he uh, so you he's
0: start way earlier like yeah
1: I like a yeah, week, he, like two weeks earlier yeah
2: he brings uh. They have these, these bins that carry stuff in the factory. And when they're retired, for some reason, he gives them a second life as their own independent being. So there's like these little groups of, of, of containers running around Tijuana that aren't controlled by anything.
0: <laughs> right. And that even though
2: uh, at one point the police, uh, someone says the police are even wondering, Why there's these containers running around the streets without anyone
0: controlling them. Right. So I did find a part where we talk about what Molinari is. Um, What he is or what he looks like? Yeah, it's a description of him, but there's more on the next page. It's uh, 123 of the Mariner Edition.
1: The flabby, aging, (laughs) utterly discouraged and hypochondriacal Gino Molinari... Whom you've met and accepted as the authentic UN secretary. Vestenberg lazily stirred his drink, eyeing Eric. That's the Robent, Simulacrum. And the robust, energetic figure you witnessed on videotape a short while ago is the Living Man. And this ruse must necessarily be maintained, of course, to sidetrack no one else but our beloved ally, the Starman.
0: Right. So, um, their suggestion there is that it's a Robent?
2: Yes, but that (laughs) that's a... uh, I think that's like a a red herring there, right? Right.
0: It's a swindle, right? Yeah. And then, because uh, we're,
2: we're not supposed to trust Festenberg with anything.
0: I liked that character, actually. I did too. Yeah. And then so, but I,
2: I wish he was in it more and had more of a part in, in the uh, decision making.
0: And so then the alien takes, and this is one of my favorite scenes in the book when the alien's like, Hey, I got a secret, uh, Dr. Sweetson. I'm going to show you. The real Molinari. And he takes him and he's found him. And then there's the... In the casket, Sabine uh, lay Gino Golinari. His face locked in agony. He was dead. Blood could be seen. Dried drops on his neck. His uniform was torn, stained with mud. Both hands were lifted, fingers writhing as if trained. Even now to fight back at who, at whatever, whoever it was that had murdered him. So he has that the version that's like yeah, like, yeah corpse, version right? So
2: so how I took this is that there we are seeing we are shown three versions. Right. So, uh, uh, we're to believe that the one that is assassinated is the original Molinari from this timeline, right. our our main timeline. Right. The second one, which is the sort of uh uh psychic hypochondriac one was taken from another timeline and that's the second Molinari. And then the untouched, uh, healthy Molinari is taken from a third timeline. Right. Yeah. That's, that's what I got out of it. But the, uh, but it, if you take into a, into account the cancer stuff and all the other illnesses, couldn't there be like several more coming in that are also, the kind of fi- uh, fat hypochondrial hy- hypochondriacal uh Molinari's
0: there could be i on page 23 23- Un- unless
2: he's using magic to heal cancer then or or you know he's from such a different timeline that this is sort of a, a natural thing that the the human body has come up with i thought that was an interesting like side side thing where he's molinari has these magic powers
0: well and then the whole thing with like is he yeah because like for me on uh, page 183 there's a whole scene that said uh how did Gallinari end his term in office the man glanced up assassinated yeah shot yes by old-fashioned lead slugs a fanatic got him because his lenient immigration policy his letting the uh rigs settle on terra uh, there was a racist faction scared about polluting the blood if rigs and humans could interbreed.
2: Yeah, and that's, that's also in a different timeline.
0: Right. And so, I, what I kind of, one thing that I do really like in this novel is that it's kind of all over the place with, um, with, uh, there, Molinari could be many things. Yeah. And there's lots of, and I think he's like playing with us.
2: Yeah, I'm not even sure. saying it's a bad thing, and I think it goes against our modern our our modern views to want to know everything. Yeah, that's we want everything to be explained. so explained and factually based, and you know why or have a progression of of facts that this one goes against all of that. You know, there there is no rhyme or reason. Uh, there's You can't take, you can't take the antidote back in time, but Molinari can pull other versions of himself through time. So it, you know, there's, she can uh, send a letter in the past, but it's not
0: really sent because it disappears as soon as she goes to the future. Which I think is a perfect segue to talk about JJ180. Yeah, Um, sure. Which, um is a huge part of the book and yes, there are contradictions on what it can and cannot do uh all over the place yeah. in this novel. And um and I, I just want to say, guys, too, um <laughs> I was gonna be harder on this novel and I'm enjoying this discussion of it so much. It's <laughs> making me think I liked it better than I did when I was reading it. Which what it keeps happening, except for Cosmic Puppets has made me hate it worse. But see that's right. an
1: interesting thing because should should your appreciation of a book
0: change, ha- change with, uh, with with other people's views
1: with a discussion or
2: well, Maybe, let uh, me let
1: me rephrase what i'm trying to say well
2: your understanding does
1: well sure but can the book does the book Have do it on its own yeah th- thank you i could not get that out for the life of me <laughs> uh,
3: i i don't
2: i don't I, know you know i i kind of i i'm kind of hard headed so my views are my views and there's really nothing that's going to change how I view things.
1: And sometimes you're just not in the right state Yeah. to read it. It's like listening to an album that you didn't like, then you listen to it ten years later, and you're like, this is actually really good. Which yeah. happened to me with yeah. Primus' Pork Soda. Really? It happened to me with I, Dark,
0: Dark City. That I is one of my top 20 albums. I hated
1: Pork Soda, and then I re-listened to it like five years after I'd listened to it for the first time. I'm like, this is brilliant. And you didn't like Dark City? I,
0: when I saw Dark City in the theater, I thought it was stupid, made no sense. I couldn't really? stand it. Really? That's then,
1: shocking to me.
2: Yeah,
0: right. Well, I was also, what, knowing I you saw now? it in the theater at the time, and that's, yeah. I, and then I, I just, I didn't like it, thought it was bad, and then uh, a couple of years later, somebody was like, what? You didn't like Dark City? Watch it again. And I watched it on DVD and I was like, Oh my oh god, my this god. is one of the greatest yeah. movies ever made. Why why did I hate this? Right. Why did and you did
1: why did you dislike I it? I think
0: for the same
1: reason that I'm struggling with Well, you with... got
2: Kiefer Sutherland in there kind of playing a weird role and I,
1: I, think well, I, I thought that was great. Is uh, it because they all looked like a bunch of cinobites? I don't think the the I was, was kind of a wah, wah, for, wah.
0: I don't think I was prepared for how weird it was gonna be and um uh, I was expecting something a little bit more straightforward. Yeah, it was so think, out there. I think I'm the same thing I'm struggling with the Jeff Vandermeer novel that I'm reading right now, Dead Astronauts, It's just that it may be too surreal. There's times where something might be too surreal for me, and then there's other times where I'm in the mood for it. And I think when I saw Dark City, I just wasn't in the mood for it. And um, I also wasn't ready for it. Um, I think now I'm more into that stuff.
1: I I think for me, if... I'm listening or reading or watching something that's very challenging. I start to dislike it because I start feeling dumb and then <laughs> I'll sit on it and then I'll revisit it or I'll start to just think about it. This happened to me with Naked Lunch. I yeah. hated Naked Lunch.
2: The the book, the book or book, the movie? The book. Okay.
1: And then the more I thought about it and the more I developed <laughs> an appreciation for the writing rather than just being confused
2: Right, um, rather than
0: caring what was happening, or... I had to
1: be a writer, like like taking writing seriously for almost a decade before I could go back and appreciate interesting. Yeah. It was.
0: yeah, and so I'm kind of struggling like right, right now with that. I'm reading. Um, I'm, I'm probably eighty percent through with Dead Astronauts by Jeff Vandermeer, mm-hmm. and my thing with that book is it's so surreal and it's so weird that a lot of times when I'm sitting there reading it, I have like, a hundred different thoughts trying to make sense of what the book's about that I start coming up with my own theories. And a lot of times I I find myself, like, grasping for more plot and more to hold on to. Sure. And yeah, yeah, and it, I get that. Yeah, and so the first time I saw Dark City, I, I definitely had the same thing.
1: I had that same experience with Hodorowsky's The Holy Mountain. The first time I mm. watched it, I was like, I I hate this. It doesn't make any sense. I'm confused, and it is just a mishmash of nonsense. <laughs> Now it, I have a now, huge appreciation. Now, how
0: that relates to what we're doing with PKD every month is that a lot of times I it takes me a little while sitting on the books to really get some of what he's doing. And a lot of times it's talking it out with you guys where well, I'm like,
2: sure. I think, I think what you do much more than what Anthony and I do is you research what the author was going through. Yeah. You so have a you,
1: much different eye for it. So yeah, but you, that hurt
2: me on this one. <laughs> you <Yeah, laughs> hurt probably. me on this one, but yeah, but you have a a deeper understanding of why why the thing was written in the first place,
1: which I think is why you give it. You will typically give the books more leeway than yeah, than we do. Than we do.
0: Yeah, but in this case, it hurt me. It went the other way. Yeah, because I was like so annoyed by all the divorce stuff in right. this book, and uh, you know the fact that he he had and committed. You know, just never left me when I was reading this. Sure. You know? Sure. So, so that was, but. Part- you, but-
2: have, you have to believe me that Kathy needed to be committed. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> but I, I'm sure Kathy was not actually a fair representation of Anne either. Right. Yeah. Now, that being said.
1: Well, I don't think any of the, the representations. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Dave. Yeah. No- but I don't think any of the representations of his wife are fair, <laughs> no. period.
0: Well, and a lot of things in this book, when we're talking about it, are parts that, like, I read the amoeba part, but then I just kind of kept going. And then when I went back to make my notes for the episode and I started highlighting it and rereading it, parts were making me laugh again. And and I was – and there were parts where I was like – like the 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 stuff with the UN secretary, like – it kind of just happened when I was reading it, but I thought more about it when I went back to look at it for notes. Right. So, uh, and is that a fair way to judge the book? I don't know, but I I think with PKD, um, I think it's fair to have a second judgment because I think I I I think some of the books require uh, deeper thought. But anyways. Well, and I, th-
2: I think we've done that in the past with some of the books that are more popular and some of the books that are less popular. You know, you, you David, with a uh, doctor of futurity, which Mm-mm. is terrible, it's but you, but you terrible. found points that you, you thought it was good. You yeah. know, and then there's, um, what a Vulcan's hammer, which everyone apparently hates. <laughs> and i for, i thought Larry. I thought it was brilliant.
1: No, I liked Vulcan's you know? hammer. It's yeah, a we, little goofy at times, but, but I liked it.
0: Yeah, we all liked Vulcan's
2: but there, like and Vulcan's hammer. And also, Man in the High Castle. I, Anthony and I
0: thought it was meh. Yeah, so, I didn't you know? care for Man in the High and Castle. I love Man in the High Castle, but I also
1: so. I also don't know if I have the intellectual. Way of looking at certain things. To I don't think I can truly appreciate Man in the High Castle the like way that a lot it just of doesn't other tickle people your do. curiosity. No, I, so I think boring.
2: you do have the mental acuity to <laughs> oh, understand that, that it's do, not. You just don't have the interest in that. It's particular not topic. written well. It's written in a weird style that is only
0: only certain people are going to like that.
1: And I think it was too hyped for me by the time I read it. Well,
0: that's also a thing, which is the problem everyone's I think having with some people are having with Parasite is that speaking to somebody who saw Parasite before the hype all started, like I didn't know that there was going to be a big twist in Parasite. So like when it happened, it was way more shocking for me. And, you know, so by the time all the hype got around about the movie. it it lost some of its power. And I think with man in the high castle, like so many people said, it's brilliant. It's great. It won the Hugo. And, but I also,
1: I also don't think that, and this is somewhat of a side tangent. So just bear with me. I think some of the people who don't like parasite have valid reasons to not like parasite. Just like (laughs) I liked midsummer, but I also liked it when it was called the wicker man. Boom. Oh, Um, no. Hot uh, take. Hot take. Um, no, I'm joking. Midsummer's fine. I like Hereditary more. But um me too. I I think that there are certain people who've read and watched enough stuff by the time we get to certain films or books where you're, you you kind of sit back and say, "Oh, you know, I liked it, but I I've seen it before." I I liked Parasite, but I didn't think Parasite was mind-blowing and I figured there was a twist, but it just something about Parasite truly didn't do it for me. Is it a bad movie? No, but I think that the yeah, people who Yeah, I thought it was are, good. I think the people who are nay-saying it have valid criticisms of it.
0: Yeah, I don't. but oh, yeah. okay. But well, a not, little, not, It's, it's no a little not... The it's, bo- it's not the Bong cast. A,
1: a little... A little <laughs> well, it's not It's not Snowpiercer, <laughs> nice. so suck it.
0: Whoa. Well,
1: no? I think Mother
0: is a better Bong juho movie. Yeah, I, yeah, I would yeah. agree with that. But
1: yeah. y'all know I love me some Snowpiercer. I mean, I like That them. is a good movie. Snowpiercer is good.
0: Underrated. That's yeah. my
1: favorite Tilda Swinton role, too.
0: Really? She has a lot of...
1: She's good films. in it. So
0: she's great in Constantine. Yep. That's her that's,
1: and Peter Stromer that's, are the only good things about that yeah, movie. No, 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 no,
0: I think that movie would have been good if it wasn't miscast.
1: Yeah. You mean if Constantine wasn't miscast? If Constantine yeah. wasn't miscast, it would be a good movie. All I'm saying is someone cast Hugh Laurie as Constantine. The That'd script
0: everything about Constantine nice. is great except for Keanu Reeves' as miscast.
2: What, yeah. Larry? No, I said nice. Oh yeah, Hugh I Laurie agree. is my
1: dream John Constantine.
2: Alright, sorry. Put some blonde hair on him? Yeah.
1: With a bunch of gray in it? Yeah. He's basically house, but hunting demons. (laughs) Right. Fifteen minutes
0: ago, I said, what a great segue (laughs) to J.J. 180.
1: Every time you say J.J., I think you're going to say J.J. Abrams, though.
0: And please don't.
1: And then I just want to vomit on my shoes when I think of (laughs) J.J. Abrams.
0: Yeah. We could maybe do a bonus episode about how we all hated episode 9, but... Uh, I'll, I'll do it on just how much I we? hate J.J. Abrams.
1: <laughs> oh, he's a broke-ass Steven Spielberg. We've been over this. Yeah. Okay.
3: He's
2: a
1: wannabe um, and a loser. All
3: right. <laughs> Whoa!
0: <laughs> anyway. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. But uh J.J. 180 is a drug. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, uh, 180. <laughs> yeah, and... uh it's first introduced in Chapter 3, I believe, when Kathy gets it from uh, Cabby, right? Um, and
2: Well, yeah, we follow one of the uh, other employees of the company. and
0: Yeah, and he's like, hey, hee-ho, this is JJ-180. What's that? Some badass shit. <laughs> it's a German name for a drug that's about to... It's German is JJ-180. It's a German name for a drug that's about to be marketed in South America as Frohita It's
1: not Ja, Ja.
0: Yeah. A German One chemical a- firm a- invented a- it. A- At this point, <laughs> they think it's a German chemical firm. This is before they found out that the Starmen made it. Uh, they get it into the U.S. In fact, it's easy to get here in Mexico. Everything's available here in TJ. Uh, Everything. To... <laughs> He's got five caps. Um, and when you take it, uh, you experience time differently, you travel in time, I don't know, it's one of those
1: things. <laughs> I was very confused because I, I couldn't decide whether, uh-oh, <laughs> Do did you, did, are you here to give the podcast the fucking coronavirus? No. Right, Coronavirus. Anyways.
0: <laughs> Pause while David chokes to death. Alright, I'm better. I made it. Pretty far into the podcast without coughing. I told you guys I had a cold last week.
1: So. Oh, we're fine. You want to take a little break? No, I like I know. no,
0: no. We want to finish.
1: We Want to finish and go to the bookstore? Well, it, I got. to Then pee. I want to go to Plant Power. Well, I'm gonna. So go I guess pee. you're getting a ride home. Awesome. I'll take it. What? Uh, Wait. Hey, he's taking his headphones off. Hey, what are you doing? Going to pee. Oh.
0: Okay. So we're all right. Well, we'll, we'll keep, keep talking. talking. Yeah. All right, uh, JJ Abrams. 180. Um,
1: Noted it, hack filmmaker. Was it a German product or was
0: it made by the enemy? Um,
1: was it made by the Germans?
0: <laughs> was it made by the Germans? Uh, was it
1: made by Christoph Waltz? Yes, yeah, so. Oh, this is going to get real bad. So, on page
0: uh, 43 of the Mariner Edition, there's some more stuff about
1: JJ 180. I see. Could this JJ one hundred and eighty, or Frohita as it's also called, could it possibly originate entirely off Terra? Meaning, is this an alien drug? Alien
3: drug. <clears throat>
1: there have been cases of illegal non-terrestrial drugs before. None of them of any importance, derived from Martian flora, mostly, and occasionally from Ganymedian lichens, 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 <laughs> lichens. Le- Lichens? Lichens. I cannot pronounce this word. My girlfriend knows it better than me. I'd read a book about a bunch of Martian drugs. Uh
0: yeah, so it could have been yeah, there there could be all these alien sources. Ganymedian or or Martian dung, but I mean Martian dung's already made uh fur coats, so that seems <laughs> unlikely. Uh but you know, we have there's references for it being a weapon uh at least four times in the book page 1 page 88 110 six, 165 and 168 they're all it's all referenced as a potential drug um from both sides of the war at one time or another which is kind of one of the fun um parts of how the plot gets played with uh, as for the effects of it exactly uh i have I can just tell you the effects. You travel to the past, the present,
2: or the future.
0: Yes, but the question is, is that an illusion? or It's
2: not, because Molinari pulled actual people to his own timeline.
0: But then the question goes, are you going to an alternate reality or going back in time in your own reality? Well,
2: because he travels laterally through the present, it can't be. It doesn't matter if it's future or past. Right. And then we have the scene with the two. Otherwise, he'd just see himself.
0: And we also have the scene with the two Erics where the one Eric's like, Ooh, you look like shit. They both uh, say that to each other. Yeah. It's like, great.
2: <laughs> it, it reminded me of The Time Traveler's Wife, which I don't know if you guys have read that book. I saw but, the uh, movie with Eric Banna. <laughs> well, that's. Right. I mean, it, it kind of followed the same thing, but the. Basically, the first meeting he has with himself, instead of like in this one where they they like have this sort of standoffish, confrontational relationship, the first thing they do when he meets himself from the past is they fuck, and I <laughs> thought that was amazing. He fucks I, and when himself. I was reading, yeah, he fucks himself. Nice. I mean, it's just another form of masturbation, and, and I thought that was amazing. So it,
0: this scene in this book, I would definitely book, not be into myself. This scene reminded me of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd fuck I think me. you could do. I think if you could do better, I, I would go back in time. I would fuck me.
1: I'd fuck me in the immortal I would words fuck of me. Buffalo Bill. I would fuck I'd me fuck just you. for the experience. Yeah, same. just we, to know. Say, I when someone tells someone says, "Hey, go fuck yourself," I'd be like, "I've been there, done that, done it." <laughs> All right, moving. <laughs> I'm really
0: sorry. I I you opened that door, David. <laughs> uh okay. Anyways, so that's really weird. That's my Black Mirror <laughs> episode.
2: But he uh <coughs> he gave himself so many instructions he had to know that there was no way he would follow the same route. Right. That it couldn't be the same reality. You know, right. because there's it's impossible. To know what you're supposed to do, and then do everything properly. Anytime you meet yourself in this in this world, it has to be a different reality, a different universe. Which, by the way, doing my research on this book, I found out the first use of multiverse in uh, in science fiction was used by Michael Moorcock
1: in 1963. In what novel? Shit, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> i did zero research yeah
2: but, what would oh i thought you were gonna know the name of the book and i was gonna punch you uh no. i mean
0: i could look up. um well that's, that's it is cool. wikipedia
2: so who knows what,
0: what would straight. um what would the michael moore uh cock podcast be more cockers Ooh.
1: <laughs> exactly that more cock
0: more cocks more cocks yeah, more i don't cocks. think i don't think that's a good one um well, then
1: fuck you, Larry.
0: <laughs> All right, so we, the one last topic of the main themes that we have not talked about. My Moorcock? Much about the book is the uh, aspect of the war. We've talked a little bit about it. But um, this is not a, as we said earlier, it's not really a side for side with the Vietnam War. But it is interesting to know at that
2: well it oh. kind of is because the vietnam war was happening far away the war in this book is far away right the whole time
0: and we're just, you know a, it's, the
2: it's not a, in the middle of it it's, yeah it's not really a present war in, in the novel it's a war that's happening elsewhere yeah so that is very similar to the vietnam war
0: it connects in interesting ways to the fact that even though they make fur coats and tj they, they're they they're getting government contracts
1: to make weapons and things, like, for the war. Um, Side tangent. According to the Internet, the American philosopher and psychologist William James used the term multiverse in 1895. 18, yeah, yeah. But in a different context. The term was first used in fiction in its current physics context by Michael Moorcock in his 1963 sci- science fiction adventures novella, The Sundered Worlds.
0: Yeah, that's the one.
1: Interesting.
0: I want to read it. Right. I'll get to it right after Anthony reads the final block out. <laughs> We're
1: going to do a side <laughs> podcast called, like, Ballardians, so I can talk about how much I love J.G. Ballard. Well, you can and do we'll, Dick Adjacent. we'll force D. Harlan Wilson to be on it. You right. can do
0: Dick Adjacent episodes whenever you want. Sorry. Oh, I can? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Let's yeah. do some Ballard, y'all!
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Ooh, yeah. I love yeah. doing some Ballard. Yeah, That that's, that's called Dick Adjacent. We're doing a bunch of them. Talk
1: about Concrete Island!
0: Well, we definitely have to have D. Harlan Wilson on at some point anyways, because he's a huge dickhead as it is. And I want
1: to read his Ballard book. Yeah.
0: Um, so, uh, there's a part here about the war uh,
1: that I want Anthony to read. At the wall map, Minister Furneski said, Secretary, we must attend to this decisive detail before we can continue. Terran troops do not stand up well against the Riggs' new homeostatic bomb. Hence, I would like to relieve a million and a half of my own factory workers and put them into uniform, replacing them in Empire factories with Terrans. This is an advantage for you, Secretary, in that Terrans will not be fighting and dining... Oh, sorry. (laughs) They will not be fighting and dining. They will not be fighting and dying in the line, but will be safe inside Empire factories.
0: This is one of the most interesting parts of the book to me politically, because... Uh, this is where it gets really clearly like a side thing for Vietnam because um, what was going on in Vietnam was that the U.S. soldiers over there were getting creamed because they were fighting uh, against a guerrilla warfare of people who were in their homeland who could dig tunnels and fight nasty and oh those tunnels
2: were mostly already there right I mean, because they had, fought they the had been fighting yeah, yeah
0: they had been fighting for a long
2: what time what a horrible
1: thing to be forced into into a war that has nothing to do with
0: what you, and care, and about. you yeah, care about. Yeah. Yeah. And so we had, well, people- that's,
2: that's not how the war was framed. Of course it was framed as communists were taking over the world and, and it was up to us to stop them. So yeah. And why we there was a hero element put into the, the, the war that, but really shouldn't have been there.
0: But I thought that that was a really cool part of the book that like in the frame of science fiction was talking about the Vietnam war. Now, see, the way
2: I looked at that, uh, I, again, I wasn't thinking about the Vietnam War at all, but I, I looked at it as them, as the Lilliputians saying, you know, you are, we're going to take your soldiers away from the front and make them slave labor. That's how I looked at it.
0: Well, that's true
2: too, but. Because then they're, they wouldn't, it was, it was kind of, taking the control of the war more away from Terrans.
0: Yeah, but I think the idea that they that the Terrans weren't able to fight the war well was talking about Vietnam and the slave sure. labor thing as a separate issue. But I do think that that comes into where you're talking about how war and capitalism are kind of tied together. And um, I just think that these are aspects that we could have easily missed in talking about this novel, that there are lots of, Nice little political allegories throughout, right? And those are things that that add to my overall you know, enjoyment. I would say book. for
2: a book that I I I never even knew the title of when I was an, initially reading Phil K. Dick, <laughs> right? This one is much better than a uh, a lot of the other ones we've read. It has sort of all of the all of the Dick elements. And, and sort of put in the right order, in the right way. Yeah, it's got the flaws and everything, but this one is, is sort of, like, quintessential.
0: Right. Well, that's a good segue into our final thoughts, because um, you're already kind of getting there. And I think, you know, the interesting thing is I think this is not one of his more well-known ones, but I think within Dick's scholarship, I think people have a higher regard for this one than some of the other ones Yeah, probably and yeah. and uh you know i think for good reason uh i think because he was going through hard times in his life i think some of those signs are are there in the book but you know upon this is one that i think will sit with you and you can think about it later and uh you know yes the the last chapter is kind of useless but <laughs> you know no it's not kind of useless it's really useless but I,
2: I i would say the only the only thing that uh really matters about the last chapter is bringing the bins back because they have <laughs> that little confrontation in the alleyway yeah but that's it
0: <laughs> but i think i i don't think for me a novel can have one or two little flaws like that and and not not really overall hurt it so um i am going to give this book 4 out of 5 uh Robant Molinares. <laughs> um, and I originally rated it as 3, but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to list I'm going to give it one more uh just because sure. I I think um there's a lot of good stuff that came out when we were discussing the book overall. Yeah, I would uh,
2: I would say that uh I think one of the best things about this is Kathy. I think her car- <laughs> Her character, uh, although immensely evil in in just her motivations and her reasoning and everything like that, she is a well drawn out character. I I think she she handles things in, in a maybe not a way I I would ever think of handling things, but in a somewhat natural kind of way. And uh and I think Eric Sweetcent was not. The saddest sack ever until that last chapter. Not the right?
0: saddest sack ever.
2: <laughs> he, he actually made decisions. He did things. He moved forward. <sighs> he, he wasn't just kind of accepting his fate until that last chapter where he's like, oh, I'm just going to kill myself because, because my wife isn't cool anymore. So. I, I, I think the book mostly works. Molinari is a great character. Even the old man. I, I always like the, the old man with the fake parts character that Dick's been doing over the past, like, five novels. So, I, I think it, uh, it deserves, um, uh, three and a half, um uh, Mars batshit amoebas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to go with the bids.
2: I was, I was close to that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anthony.
1: I don't know if I I can't really fairly rate a book I haven't finished. If I were, if somebody said, you can no longer finish this book, please rate it now. I'd say three out of five Cowardly Cabs. Um, Right. (laughs) I do think that a lot of Dick's books take too long to get started. So I started getting way more interested in what was happening when we do start to uncover that there are different uh-huh. Molinaris, that yeah, she's dosed her husband with this drug. Um, I know,
2: you talked to me right when you were on the precipice of, yeah. it, uh, of it getting better, th- that page
1: 75 or whatever. And I, and I think that there are all the dick trappings here that we're pretty used to by now. So, yeah, if, if, if I have to write a book, I didn't finish three out of five Cowardly Cabs, and realistically, having talk to you guys about it, and then having Larry tell me about it before you got here, David, it'd probably stay about three, because I liked it what I read, but it, none of it was mind-blowing. Okay, so... Um,
2: I think the Molinari twist uh, was good enough to give it that extra half point for me.
0: Yeah. But, now the question comes, uh, what would we do if we were going to do a movie, but before we do that...
1: Oh, wait, there's a before we do that?
0: Yes. Really? In two thousand and eleven, there was a press release from Lila, Lily, Lila Nine Ninth Production and a Leopard Electric Shepherd Productions.
1: To be fair, this probably Lila
0: Lila Ninth. Yeah, whatever. It's a production company Uh, had optioned the rights to Now Wait for Last Year with Ted Cooper. Cooper, it's with a K K U P P E R. Tap to write the screenplay. And there was a Barry M. Osborne, who was a producer on Lord of the Rings, was supposed to be a producer, and that they were looking for a director in the third quarter of 2012, and that's where the project died. They Um, couldn't find a director? They couldn't find a director, apparently. But apparently a script was written for Now Wait for Last Year. Uh, Is it online? I don't know if you can find it. Well call out to our fans yeah if so anyone
2: has seen to, this script
0: yeah we would love to to know yeah we'd love to see it yeah um yeah i'm sure it's not as easy to find as that duel of the faith script yeah. that's going around <laughs> for star wars um <laughs> but uh which i still haven't read i want to read because i think it sounds way better it sounds fantastic it sounds much better uh did you see the art the uh concept art? Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I know I wish we got that movie. But anyways, uh so what would what would you do did you have any thoughts about uh film for now wait for last year? Looks like Larry has some.
2: Well, obviously <clears throat> it it has to be a lot more about the war. Agreed. Uh you have to show the front. You have to be there. You have to see the war happening, you know. And and uh, I I'm torn between just dropping the everything about Virgil and the and all that stuff, and just starting our hero as the doctor of the prime minister, whatever he is, UN Secretary General, UN Secretary General, the mole, and and then going from there. But like spending at least fifteen minutes on the war and, and going back and forth, sort of West Wing kind of style. Yeah, I and, would definitely and, focus and, on
0: Molinari
2: and yeah, the doctor. Yeah, but but you'd go to the front and you would see it happening, and and th- that I would tie that. in much more closely. And then you'd find out that Kathy is taking drugs and, and that whole thing. And uh so from that point, I think I would continue much the same way as as the book went, because I, I I feel like if once you get to page. 100 the book kind of flows and then you drop that last chapter entirely yeah i would um
3: excuse me
0: a a movie about jj 180 and the and the u.n secretary general in the war front does sound good it sounds like something you could do i would focus on the president and the doctor and um you know kind of i would lose the divorce stuff like since i no, I wouldn't lose the divorce stuff at all, yeah see i I would have another source for the drug coming into the the relationship between the doctor and the president. see i
2: I love that scene so much that third chapter scene uh, that I would oh not where lose she that. gets the drugs i in fact, yeah. I would kind of i I would kind of think to have Richard Linkletter do his rotoscope stuff in this in this one just because of that one scene.
0: In the JJ 180
2: scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. And, uh. And make them sort of, you know, animated and, and weird and sort of like, you never,
0: you don't know if they're fantasy or reality.
2: Sort of like, you know, like the book does.
0: Right. I would, I just would focus more on the doctor and the, and the UN secretary general. But, uh, Anthony, any thoughts on? Well, do you have an idea for a director or? Well, Link Letter. <laughs> <Linkletter. laughs> well, he's not the only one that does rotoscope now. Um, right. Yeah, I would
2: probably. Right. Want- there's been a couple of really good things lately with rotoscopes.
0: So. Yeah, I done the TV show on Amazon was great, yeah. and uh, yeah, I would take some of that team uh, and see if they would could do uh, now. Wait for last year with, and uh, I would yeah definitely focus more on the war happening and like you know a ticking clock. Some try to figure out some and way, it, and it's tie. like
2: such a big war that has yeah. been going on for so long. You get have these massive, you know they they have these CG scenes with all the like computer generated soldiers that look different and stuff, and having these bug soldiers and the and the super tall uh, uh, Star Men and stuff. It, it would look
0: great. And I would want to do the and humans, the and, sci-fi look, man. be a little retro.
2: Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah
0: that would be cool. Uh, so, it, Anthony,
2: so it would sort of be like a, a Spider-Man Beyond the Universe or whatever into into Spider-Man, the Spider Verse, Spider sure, whatever. <laughs> uh, where where there's different animation styles, great right.
0: movie.
1: Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, it
2: is a
0: really good movie.
1: <laughs> uh, any thoughts on uh, movie treatment, Anthony? Not anything that's terribly different from yours i would keep the divorce stuff uh and i would i don't think i'd get rid of anything in in particular i think i'd have a pretty standard approach that combines both of your ideas into one so no
0: so uh obviously electric shepherd wasn't able to get it going before with uh, with sir ted's script so i think they should hire us yeah we can do that yeah
2: yeah we could totally do this we can
0: totally do that just uh you uh, got our number isa Uh, (laughs) You know how to reach us on, uh. Is it Isa? Or Isa? Isa. Isa? Yeah. Alright. Yeah, um, and, uh, oh, and, um, speaking of Electric Shepherd, I am almost done with Season 3 of Man the High Castle, but that's besides the point. Um, so, we're almost done here now,
1: um... Did you say Electric Shepherd?
0: Electric Shepherd, that's the name of their oh, production company. company. Alright, whatever. No, Electric Shepherd is the production company. Got it. That, uh, isa uh, does so um <clears throat> that controls the rights for most of the pkd stuff um so yeah um what's next uh anthony anthony Why
1: are you asking me that
0: okay well that's a well l- let's get into it because it's a little confusing the next release yeah by it, uh, is it Lies Inc. is, is it the li-
2: Unteleported man
0: <laughs> or is, is it, it both, both? <laughs> Uh, that is the problem. Uh, so what happened was in 1966, there, uh, Philip K. Dick- David, what was happening? Oh, fuck. Oh, ph- ph- whoa. <laughs> in 1966, <laughs> uh, there was a, a short novel published by PKD called The Unteleported Man, which later he wrote a partial sequel to. Yeah. And they were combined to make a novel called Lies Inc. in the 80s. So what we're going- Cocaine's to- a hell of a drug. <laughs> right. So what we're going to do is try to cover both next time.
2: Yeah, I am, I am getting both, uh, an Unteleported Man copy and a Lies Inc. copy. So hopefully I can you know, I'll read one and skim the other, and and then see what the difference is, and and hopefully you'll do the same, David.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna try to do, do at least some
2: research on that.
0: Yeah, I, uh, my understanding is that everything that's in Unteleported Man is in Lies Inc. It's yeah. just, it has more. It just so. has
2: a, a section put <coughs> right in the middle of it.
0: Yeah. So
1: Lies Inc. So next time on Dickheads. In a wry, paranoid vision of the future, overpopulation has turned cities into crammed industrial anthills. For those sick of this dystopian reality, one corporation, Trails of Hoffman, Inc., promises an alternative. Take a teleport to Whale's Mouth, a colonized planet billed as the supreme paradise. Not a
2: whale's vagina.
1: The only catch... The frontier! The only catch is that you can never come back. Never! When a neurotic man named... Okay, named Ra... Ra... Yeah, that's
2: a tough name.
1: Rachmail Ben Applebaum, fuck you.
0: Bob Applebaum.
1: Discovers that the promotional films of happy crowds cheering their newfound existence on Whale's mouth are faked. Oh, hello, Penultimate Truth Part 2. He decides to pilot a ship on the 18-year journey there to see if anyone wants to return. 18 years! So join us next time on Dickheads. Alright.
0: Wow. That, that was
2: amazing.
1: Yeah,
0: so Lizing next time, and we'll have some more Dick adjacent and some other things coming out in the near future. Yeah. So, um, keep it paranoid. Be all paranoid. Good night. And shit. Stay Paranoid.